Wow. That was a movie. I just finished watching Mank, you guys. I'm very confused. You're... <laughs> there was a lot going on. Someone someone shot himself. It was a classic. I should say up the, right at the top. I fell asleep during Citizen Kane 15 years ago. That's where I'm at. How about you guys? I Okay. Am I a bad movie person if I admit I've never seen all of Citizen Kane? Because I'm just going to go ahead. Yeah, I know. Okay. Okay. I'll leave. Goodbye. <laughs> I didn't finish it either. Okay. Oh, you guys. Okay. This is like my fifth time watching Mank. So yeah. Great. I enjoyed Great. it. It was good. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting one, guys. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm like a David Fincher stan, so he can do no wrong in my eyes. So that's okay. also, you know, like, like I actually drove to Virginia to see this before it hit Netflix, like when it was still quarantine times. Like, okay. I was like ready for it. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad we're doing this one with you then, Erica. Yeah. I'm excited to I'm excited. I've seen I've seen people make fun of it a lot online, so I'm ready to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a I'm a defender of it. So there you go. Oh. Okay. All right. And this is the part where we do our theme song. They yell about directors, yell about the plot, yell about the acting, but they also talk a lot, but mostly Josh and Cassie. Welcome back to Josh and Cassie Yell About Movies, everybody. I'm Joshua, and this is Cassie. Yes, this is Cassie. Hello, Joshua. Hello, hello, Cassie. We are a weekly movie review podcast that tries to make sense of movies that people are still watching and still want to talk about, because, you know, some people like doing that. I'm a freelance, you know, film entertainment person, and Cassie is another person. I I think at last yeah. check, yeah. You're I, a human with a pulse, am, is what you're I saying. I'm a person. Yes, <laughs> I work in TV. Uh, I'm a mm-hmm. yoga teacher as of today, officially. I taught my first yoga class, you know. Great. And I am a yes, an amateur movie reviewer aficionado. And our guest today is named Erica, and she is at Erock Reviews on Twitter. She writes uh, for a number of publications, and we're super excited to have her on the show today. Thanks for being here, Erica. Yeah, I'm super excited. Thanks for having me. And as we talked about before, I'm glad I'm here for this one. So at first I was like, should we talk about this? Because I've already like seen it so many times and talked about it on other podcasts. But I'm excited to have some like, I want to hear what you guys think. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm definitely open minded. And I always try to find the best in all films. So even if it's even if it is something I don't like, I try to find the best in it. So but again, I love Mank. So uh, tell a story. Tell a story you know, Erica. That's all I can say. That's tell right. That's right. You no. Know. That's right. That's right. All right. So the movie opens up in black and white. Why didn't mm-hmm. anyone tell me this was a black and white film? Welcome okay. to pa- movies. Pa- <laughs> Welcome to Mank. <laughs> can we okay. just like touch on Citizen Kane for a hot second? Yeah, I know the basic story of Citizen Kane. I've definitely yeah. seen the final scene in like a film class back in college. Like, sure, yeah. sure. I was very tired when I watched it. I'll say that. If you've only watched it once, I would recommend like giving it a second look. And and I'm not saying it has to be your thing, but I think watching it with a lens of like putting yourself back in that time and like how monumental it was for that time in filmmaking from like 
the editing and like the structure. And I think you, you don't get the full experience of make unless you've seen Citizen. And Kane. yeah, I caught on to that pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is pretty, this is pretty niche. Like, and I yeah. feel like to understand what they're talking about here, like I'm sure there's a lot of references to Citizen Kane that I am just not catching and yeah. it's not meaning as much to me because I yeah. don't know what they're talking about. I don't either, but here's one thing I can say. It was the pictures that got small. That is what this movie reminded me of. Okay. It was the okay. Norma Desmond, Sunset Boulevard. She's a former silent film star, kind of like Amanda Seyfried in this uh, in this film, playing the uh, silent film actress Marion Davies, someone that used to be great, and now she's a shadow of her former self. It was always big. It's the pictures that got small. And that's what, that's what I felt like. Have you not seen Sunset Boulevard? What's I don't that? watch a lot of old movies. I mean, oh. I've seen some of the like Marilyn Monroe, you know, like Cat yeah. on the Roof, some like it hot. Sunset Boulevard is fun. I'll say that. Yeah, I definitely can see the parallels there as well. But the, I also am someone who loves old films and loves yeah. black and white films. So like, you I know, was excited. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah. and I don't. Like, yeah. Like, 12 Angry Men randomly is one of my favorite movies Ooh, in the whole yes. world, you know, but then so many other black and white films I just can't get into. It really, it really depends. Yeah. Anyway. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, anyway, this was a movie with a whole lot of white dudes. Uh, Erica, <laughs> if you comment on that. The be- one of the best parts for me was realizing that Bill Nye the Science Guy was- What was that? Why was he wasn't in it? That am- wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that amazing? Why was he there, I, yeah, I'm not mad about it. Like, right. who doesn't right. love Bill Nye? But I was like, wait, is he? He's an actor. I mean, I guess that makes sense. But <laughs> right. wait, you mean the guy that debated Ken Ham? All the um, all these references are over my. <laughs> it's a creation science guy. I'm not doing well tonight. <laughs> I'm gonna get a lot of blank um, stares from me tonight. Bill Nye, the science guy, was in that. Me. Was such One a of- fun, yeah, such a fun cameo. Like yeah. I when. I, when I was in the theater, uh, like, I was like, is, is that, cause like, it's not really like a straight on shot, right? It's right. like very much like, you know, trying, not trying to show you. And exactly. when he's, he's not dressed as Bill Nye, it's, right, it's, you're, right. you're like, is it, you know, it's, right, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, no, I loved that. I was like, yeah. that was such a fun like unexpected cameo, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that part. Uh-huh. So I approve of Bill Nye, the science guy, white guy cameo. But yeah, it was a lot of old white dudes, wasn't it? Yeah, that's... Yeah, and yeah. Uh, especially degrading to women, that one scene where there's like 12 white guys in the room and, and one lady in a, you know, pasties like at the typewriter. And they don't even acknowledge her until one white guy leaves and he makes some derogatory comment. Uh, oh, oh, I actually remember this one. He says, I think I'd like to see her in a tight sweater. Right. I mean, and I get that they were trying to show what old Hollywood really yeah. was. I think and I, so I understand why they did it. And it, it right. was it was jarring and kind of gross. But that just goes to show you, like, how much things have changed. So like, I understand, like, why they did that. Right. But yeah, it was it was wild. And she had nice, nice boobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. Great set of tits. Yeah. Yes, but, um, all right. So why glorify this period then? It was all these old self-indulgent white guys. I guess that's my my question. Because Hollywood's still a bunch of old self, yeah. self-indulgent okay. White guys? I didn't I didn't think it was glorifying. I didn't think, I didn't it, think so it either. Look very good at all, personally. A lot of times when I watch old old films that take place in older times, I think, oh man, I wish I could go back there. And th- this movie didn't make me think that. You know, I will <laughs> I will say That's that. a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Josh, comments on that? Yeah, see, uh 
I have no comment on that. Fair enough. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even really think about that. I think I just thought like, yeah, this is this is old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I don't think I gave it a second thought after that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of old, I do want to bring up that Gary Oldman was in his 60s and Mank at the time was in his 30s. Yeah, but he says he's okay, 43 so yes, at the very yes, end of the film. Yes, but if you look up a picture of Herman Mankiewicz when he was 33, that's what he looked like. He looked old. Okay. Have you seen it? Have no. you seen it? I'm not kidding. Like, look it up and you're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, no, really? this was a great casting choice. Well, right. we're here to talk about the themes, and the theme was they <laughs> thought he was writing an opera, and he says, but I am writing an opera. What do you guys think about that? Was he self-indulgent? If so, did he earn the right to be? I mean, after all, he did do monster films starring Lon Chaney. I th- I don't think he was self-indulgent. I think he knew he was confident in himself. He knew what he was doing. Who do you consider to be self-indulgent? Uh, Let me just ask you that. Who? Yeah, anyone. Like a famous person? Well, well yeah, if, he, if he, the script was 370 pages, you know, and they were talking about the difficulty getting the film made, I consider that self-indulgent. But if you don't, I just would like to know what your barometer is, is all. Hmm. I don't know, Cassie, do you have someone? I I, mean, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Um. I really don't like Lars von Trier. I there you, okay, I will. I will second that. I will okay. Second that. Um, I mean, aren't all celebrities and people in the, like they all are, right? I mean, at some point, I think they all are in some way, right? Uh, I mean, I don't think you'd be in this business if you weren't, right? Or make you know it. what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Before watching this film, did you know about why they were doing so much of a contrast to nineteen thirty four? And the the governor's election with uh, Upton Sinclair. Did I know why? Yeah. Were you confused by the constant flashback as I was? Obviously, you you watched Citizen Kane. I didn't realize how much it was about, uh, I guess, Hearst and the labor movement in California. Right, right. Yeah. I didn't, I I mean, I knew enough to like follow along when I was watching it, but I I did do some like follow up research after just to kind of learn like how much of it was accurate. And there, there was a good article I found that was like, you know, here are all the accurate things, you know, even down to like stuff that was like, like, I'm sure you all noticed like the Hollywood land sign in the back, like saying Hollywood land instead of just Hollywood. Right. Mm -hmm. Like just even little stuff like that, or like the set recreations they did and stuff. Right. But back to, yeah, what you were asking, I think I knew that that in Citizen Kane, this person was based off of a real life person, right? I did know that. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Well, did did you did you like his constant debates with all those stuffy old people uh, in the fire and everything? And he would say, "You don't even know the difference between communism and socialism." Yeah, I honestly, I loved that. I loved that scene because. I love the way it was shot and edited. That felt really Fincher-like to me. And like I said, I'm a huge David Fincher fan. So that thing about like, you know, the those scenes where there's so much conversation happening, I've, happening and I felt like that really mirrored his style. And I really liked that part of it. And it just like, you know, it built tension, just like in the, the scene at the end, the dinner scene, right? Like that was really tense. The, the the dinner scene where everyone was dressed like they were going to a circus, and he shows up shambling yeah. drunk, and he's like, "Well, wow, thanks for yeah. yeah, 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 yeah." And then I forgot he like barfs at the he end. Sure like, does. So embarrassing. And they call so him and they call him a court jester, which is what his brother does earlier in the film. He says, "You're being a court jester." 
Yeah, that's good writing. Yes, they want him to kiss up, get his old job back. His wife wants him to, but she knows he'll do whatever he's going to do anyway, right? Let's give poor Sarah some credit. She's yeah. like my favorite. Like she I was honestly, yeah. yeah, she was like the hidden gem for me. I was like, oh, I'm obsessed with this character. Mm-hmm. I love the woman who played her. Shoot, now I can't think of her name. She was very real. She just, yeah, yeah. she was great. Like, and Agreed. I love that. Like, she like knew he was like a piece of shit, kind of right. Like, <laughs> yeah. and she like would call him out, and mm-hmm. like I love a woman who can do that. And but she's like, I love you, and I've like stuck around this long, and I'm gonna stick around. But you know, like I just yeah. appreciated her because I feel like that's also like how real relationships are, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, totally. You put up with people's shit because you love them, and I think she was like a perfect showing of that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I agree. Yeah. Well, well, she said she wanted to stick around and see what happens. Actually, that's what she said. Well, yeah, but she's yeah. saying she's going to stick around. Like, that's, yeah. That like, why. she's choosing that. She's choosing, I'm going to stick around. Yeah. yeah. Even so. though you're 30 and look 60, I'm going to stick around. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, right. Right. I, Maybe the suicidal drinking has something to do with that. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't like was, the healthiest liver. Like, that's yeah. Why he, and that's why he died at 55. Like, the man was not healthy. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I just thought she was. I mean, and obviously that's why he loved her and married her. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I did think seeing so many previews, like I said, I was like really counting down this film when it was coming out before it came out. I thought there was going to be like, cheat, like I thought he was going to cheat on her and stuff. And, you know, she says like your platonic, like romances. Platonic or, or romances. Pl- He's talking about with Marion yeah. Davies who, you know, he sort of yeah. like, he treats like like someone he's inspired by, and he respects her a lot. And they have these little like a muse. Is, a muse, thanks. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, thank you. Weird right. walk, and then yeah, I think he respects her as an equal. Maybe he just respects her because she's someone who treats him with respect, and no one else does in his world, or so we think. Yeah, you know? I think. And I think there's a little bit of admiration there too. I think he just like admires her, you know, and I thought she was great. Like, I think people were still surprised that she got an Oscar nomination for that. And although she didn't really show out in other award shows, I was like, she's, I think because people like that are voting for the Oscars loved this film. Obviously it was the most nominations this year. We get nominated for best supporting actress. Mm -hmm. She lost to the pissing grandma. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking when I was watching it, it was Best Actress, and I was like, "But she's barely in it." Yeah. So okay, it was Best Supporting. That was my guess because yeah, I was like, she has like several scenes, but only two real good ones. I feel like. Uh And the acting, I did like the acting was overacting, but it was like very old Hollywood acting. But yeah, but I I thought they did a really good job, and even like the like sing songy way they talk and like. Yeah, that's you what know, it was, you know, it right. was mimic, it was reminiscent yeah. of like. Yeah, they, they cool. set that tone right at the beginning with the uh, the assistant mm-hmm. that comes in when Mank is in the bed and he comes in and starts talking, which I'm not even going to attempt to do the accent, but yeah, I love it. He, he nailed he nailed the style. Uh, and going to my theme where I felt as a little self-indulgent, I think the movie itself calls that out when um, the scene, when right after he reads the script, Forget the guy's name, the same guy we were just talking about with the with the, the 1940s accent. He says, you're asking a lot of the audience, Mank says, welcome to my mind. Would you consider simplifying? And he says, the narrative is one big circle, like a cinnamon roll. You can't capture a man's life in two hours. And that's that's when they do. You're not writing an opera, he says. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And he says, you can only hope to leave the impression of one. And I think... 
like that's what the movies are, right? Like we get a glimpse into something for whether it's like 90 minutes or two hours and it either leaves an impression on us and it doesn't, right? So like, that's one of my favorite lines in the film, actually. Yeah, what did you think of the backstage politics? Like when the the LB guy gets up and makes that uh, speech to everybody at MGM, he's like, hey, guess what? You're all getting uh, half pay. Stand with me. We're raw team, raw, raw go because of these cutbacks. We need to do it. So I think that mo- that that scene when everybody cheered in MGM, all those people there. I think there was a little girl that stood up and cheered, and I think she was supposed to be. Who do you guys think? Early Temple. Yes, yes. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, it, was, yep. it was a little girl, yep. blonde hair. Yeah, very much mm. Shirley Temple. Just absolutely America's sweetheart back then. Uh, yeah. Another mm-hmm. another later in life Hollywood disaster story. You know, as so many of them were back then, as so many of them were. She turned it around. She, eventually i uh, also love the uh the, the how they over sort of shadowed like politics back then with with now you know like they were some people were, weren't taking hitler seriously and uh one of them was like who takes the lunatic like that seriously and then the other person says right. 40 million nazis can't be wrong right you know right well and apparently i so i was listening you know i listened to a lot of like film podcasts and stuff and then there was a lot of discussion about mank right and i think i want to say this is on unspooled do you guys listen to unspooled Mm-mm. so they do like a lot of research and marion davies she has this like amazing i think it's an autobiography yeah or like a memoir i don't know i want to read it And she was so fascinated with Hitler and she like tried to go over there and meet him just so she could say that she like met him. Right. She was over there and like, she would find out like, Oh, he's at this location. And she would like try to like track him down there and then she'd miss him. But she was doing it just so that she could say like, she met him. Yeah. She was wild. And like, I'm just so fascinated by her as a person. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I like how they tied that stuff in there. I do appreciate that. And yeah, like a little too close for comfort, right? A little too real. But um, politics was a little too real. His friend Shelly killed himself after after the election. Yeah, Yeah, that whole thing where they put those videos together, right? Yeah, Yeah, they talk about that on Unspooled as well, about how like, they really did Checks in the mail, Uncle. Do the- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it's really good. You should in. listen to the episode. I learned a lot. Um, they like interviewed people about something else and then cut it together to seem like they were talking about this in real life. So yeah, again, like I think a lot of this was, I mean, of course it's dramatized for the film, right? But I think a lot of it was accurate to the time. And again, like this was old Hollywood and it's still very super relevant today, right? Like we're, we're talking about like mm-hmm. it's still- yeah. Still yeah, relevant. He's a good Republican, so. they said. I mean, people people still say that today. <laughs> As my very own mother, uh, quick side comment, uh, uh, <laughs> was a delegate today for a, a black woman holding a, an assault rifle in the print ad. Anyway, locally. That's uh, just a little bit of local Virginia news for you guys. Virginia. Yeah. Virginia. Right. They used to say that those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. But as we've seen recently and in the movie Mank, those who don't learn from history are doomed to uh, win support and run for public office and win governor of California. That's, uh, that's what we've seen. I, I really like that little poem he makes up for Marion Davies when they're out by themselves after that party. He says there are letters of accent, letters of tone, but the best letter is the letter alone. What do you guys think that meant? I don't know. I have no idea what it meant. Like I said, I had a really hard time sort of decoding this 
movie. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny because I'm not that kind of person that watches with um, captions on, mm-hmm. with subtitles on. But this time around, I actually did um, watch it with subtitles on just because there is so much dialogue, right? Like there's so oh, much yeah. talking and, and, and the way it's delivered, right? But to be honest, like, I don't know if I picked up on that either. What do you think it meant? Well, he was talking to Marion Davies, who, who basically built MGM by marrying Hearst, you know, letters of tone, but the best letter, I th- he was, he was the letter alone. He was talking about his words. He, he wrote like 45 films before Citizen Kane, just absolutely mm-hmm. prolific. And I think he was comparing her to his best work, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I guess the entire time I was watching it, I was really focused on the superficial, like, like how everything looked and the... That's why it won production well, design, I mean, right? and I mean, it won Best Cinematography, I believe, right? The Oscar for Best Cinematography, mm-hmm. which... Yeah. And I, I got that wrong on my Oscar poll at work because I thought No Man Land was going to win Best Cinematography. And I'm still not sure why it did because to me it kind of just looks like they slapped a black and white filter on it like i mean do you think it deserved best cinematography i don't know so again i read a bunch of articles and like the they did so much work on like the light like the way the lighting was so that it matched mm-hmm. and like the same type of style that they used back then. So I don't think it was like editing. I think it was like actually shot that way. Yeah. Um, And again, David Fincher's like such a perfectionist. I believe that. It's funny actually, because like I said, a huge fan of Mink. And then I saw The Father and I was like, if The Father doesn't win for production design, I'm going to be so upset. And then on my ballot, I did pick Mink because I was like, Mink's going to win. And it did. And then I was rewatching this time and I'm like, yeah, no, the production design is incredible. <laughs> like, even down to, like, I just am such a geek for this kind of stuff. Like, I don't know if you noticed, like, the cube lip in the in the corner of the film, which is, like, do you know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Do you know what a cube mm-hmm. Josh, do you know what a cube lip is? A cube lip? In a while. <laughs> yeah. So, it, when you're, you know how, like, when you're watching old films, you can see that little, like, dot that comes up in the corner of exactly. the screen? Exactly. Just like in Fight Club when they insert the penis. <laughs> I have no idea what anyone is talking about right now. I'm so confused. <laughs> so, so in old films, there's like this little circle. When you see it, I know you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. And that's to notify the person to change the film reel, like to go to the next reel because the film's okay. going So they even had this, that in this. Oh, so it, it really made you feel like that's you were neat. watching a film from the 1940s. Wow. You know, like that's neat. I didn't that's notice cool. that part. There's so much to notice. See, oh. like I'm, you know, I'm paying attention to oh. like the dialogue and tone. You're paying attention to these details. I feel like it's something different. Yeah, you yeah, gotta watch it clearly. Yeah, I am not gonna watch this again. When I went so. to go, <laughs> <laughs> all right. When I went. When I, well, just please look up a clip with a cube yeah. on it, so you know what I'm talking about. But the first time I saw it in the theater, I gasped when I saw that first cubelet because I was like, that's just so beautiful and clever and like really makes you feel like you're watching a true old black and white film. And like, I appreciate you're, this. Small you're right. Detail, it was absolutely so. a love letter to those old films, but Hollywood has never stopped absolutely. doing love letters to old films. I will say that. A Star is Born. Well, because you have born. to, right? You have to. You have to keep doing love letters to films because without those old films, these films wouldn't exist today. Right. Well, I'm a true believer. That's true, in that. but those old films are built upon, uh, 
you know, bad labor practices. That's what half the movie was about. And uh, disregarding the rights of women, which is what The Star is Born originally was about the very first one. And marrying up, just like Marion Davies did, to basically start MGM. You know, it was a 21-year-old, however old she was, married the man 35 years older. And these are all things that still happen. Right. And then she had to say, well, you know, we've really sort of gotten fond of each other. She was saying she really likes him now. It was an arranged marriage, but so many themes in there. So many things. But uh, I will say, I, I really like the rules. Did you did you pick up on that? The the rules of, of film production. You know what what MGM stands for? Yeah, emotion. No, well, he was Mank was getting his brother a job, right? He was getting his brother a job, and yeah. then he met uh, I think it was LB, and he walks him through, and they had these quick cuts, you know, like just a uh, mm-hmm. like you said, old Hollywood. And the third rule was never forget that the buyer gets nothing for his m- money but the memories. And that's the movie business, he said. Yeah. Well, I love that. That scene is also very Fincher-like to me, right? When And you're talking about the yes, tracking the scene. Tracking when they're cool. they're a lot of hole walking. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And I love when he's like, you know what? We spend a million dollars a year on films that, never, that nobody ever gets to see yes. because they don't yes. make me cry. And you know what makes me cry? Emotion. Here, here, and then he crosses off. That's like one of my favorite. It's like so good every time. Uh, I thought that's what you were going to, but yeah, you teed it up for me. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, no, I love that part. And it's so true, right? Like, again, we don't care about films that don't make us feel those things, right? Like, it's got to be one of, like, you really think about it. You're like, oh, yeah, like, no, that makes sense. Like, and like you're saying, you know, these things, history repeats itself. And I think as much as it is a love letter to the past, I think it's also showing us like, like you said, a lot of this is still very relevant. Um, it's still very much the fil- the Hollywood mm-hmm. film scene, right? Yeah, because uh, people want to be in the movies. Have you, have you yeah. seen the original star is born by the way? The um, not the original one, but I've seen the one with Barbara Streisand. And then of course, oh, I got to, well, you can, you can still, you guys can track down the original one on YouTube. I think if you want to, I'm just getting at the theme in that very first one. And uh, it's a theme of, of all of them. And the theme of all these old Hollywood films, it's a, uh, it's a girl who lives with her family and she says, I'm going to go off and be somebody. And that's, and that's the theme of these old Hollywood films. You know, people just want to be somebody. They want to dream and that's that's what that's what you do in these old Hollywood films. It's a it's a dream, and part of this film was showing you the reality of that dream. You know, with the old friends who used to work on set are now carrying signs, you know, <laughs> and asking for a dollar from Mank, and he gets it from the guy at the at the the door of the gate, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> and right. So I like how it gives you both sides, the the dream and the reality. That's that's what I liked about Mank. It's important. Yeah, that's important. So for sure. It's time for final <laughs> thoughts. What are your final thoughts on Mank? I think Mank's great. I mean, obviously, a lot of people think it's great. A lot of people didn't like it. I say give it a chance. It was nominated for the most Oscars this year. It didn't win the most, but I think getting the most nominations says something, right, across the board. Again, I'm a I'm a David Fincher stan. He can do no wrong, so I knew I was going to love it no matter what. Um, but yeah, I mean, and like I always try to say, like, even if you, th- I never thought old black and white Hollywood films would be my thing until I had to start watching them for grad school or for undergrad and grad school. And I've fallen in love with them. Like even some silent films, like one of my like 
favorites is the general with Buster Keaton. Like I found a really big fan in myself and Buster Keaton. It's amazing. And I recommend it to people. And I like sometimes recommend it to people and I don't tell them it's a silent film because I don't want them to not watch it. But even silent films too. Like I never thought I'd be a fan of silent films. So this is just always my chance to plug and say like, if you think you don't like a black and white film or a silent film, give it a shot. So Watch the watch the old ones. Watch Citizen Kane, and then yeah. watch me. <laughs> I think that's the yeah, that's the moral and of the I story. Would say yeah. watch Modern Times. That's my favorite uh, silent film. Yeah, Modern Even Times. Even though it's not a technically one. a silent yeah. film, but that's a uh, just another discussion. Um, basically, Charlie Chaplin uh, continued to do <laughs> silent films fifteen years after everyone else had stopped, and he did. I can't remember. Eric is probably going to correct me on this, but three or four talking pictures which I cannot find because I've always wanted to see the talking pictures he did starting I did, with, the, yeah, I did starting know with that. the dictator. I've seen the dictator. There's three or four after that. I cannot find them anywhere unless I want to pay a lot of money, which I don't to order the physical copy. Final thoughts on me. All right. You know, listening to Erica talk about it made me like it a little more than I did coming in. Like you're Yay. really persuasive. So good job. <laughs> Everyone. I've talked to you about this film. Yeah. And said that my rate, my rate yeah, no, down. yeah. You know, so. you did a great job. Like, yeah, hyping this movie up because, yeah, I did think it was longer than it needed to be. It did lose my attention at some points, but you know, yeah, set design was awesome. The costuming, the acting was pretty good. You know, and. I appreciate that it's something different. I always appreciate when something is unique, you know, because we don't get that a lot these days. So that in itself is something that's that's special. And I do respect that. It's yeah, it's definitely not for someone who doesn't know <laughs> the story behind Citizen Kane. Again, <laughs> I wish I had known a little more about it going in. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed how uh, Mank walked into, he kind of made an ass of himself. Like he just walked onto a film set and everybody's like, who's that? They're like, oh, it's Mankowitz. Like, that's his thing. That's just his thing. <laughs> Welcome by in film sets uh, because it reminds me of when I was a, a young lad, uh, however many years ago in uh, in the 2000s, uh, being on film sets. And there was a homeless man named Radio Man, uh, who you can see in the film with honors. He's literally a homeless man, or so the, the legend goes, and he bikes around from film set to film set, yelling at people on set. And he's kind of a New York celebrity. If he's still alive, I'm not sure. I haven't kept up with him. Huh. But okay. Radio Man, check him out in the 1994 film With Honors. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Radio Man. Um, so that's what Mankiewicz was to me. Just somebody who just gave himself permission to insert himself into every moment in Hollywood. Uh which I mean, I can relate to that. I would, I would be that guy too. So <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I would if I could. You know, right. okay. So, um, yeah, yeah. And then, and then he wrote the, but he wrote the film that is, you know, for however long was the best film to ever exist. So well, he and, did he, and he right? got co-writing credit because it was so long that Orson Welles had to chop it in half. So, but like he said at the end. What did he well not not at the end but right after he finishes writing it uh, let's see he says I built him a watertight narrative and I suggested an ending I, I thought he was yeah. trying to be Marlon Brando the whole time by he the got way. an impression yay <laughs> I, honestly I thought the guy that played Orson Welles mm-hmm. was incredible yeah. like I liked him too I thought he was good at playing Orson Welles I expected more Orson Welles from this movie I was a little sad about that. I think a lot of people did. A little sad. I was also sad that Orson Welles' last role was in Unicron in the Transformers movie in 1985. 
In Unic, Unic, what? Unicron, Unic- right. You, you guys, right. Transformers, you know, Optimus Prime. No. Yeah, okay. I know Optimus Prime. Just, just, just that one? Not that's right. Thing. <laughs> the great Orson Welles, his last film role ever was in 1985, the Transformers movie playing the planet eater Unicron. Really? Unicron. Yes. Orson Welles. Interesting. Just, uh, Check out the music video. You've got the touch uh, and a rockin' '80s soundtrack. You'll you won't regret it. It's it's my favorite music video ever. Anyway, I will Whoa, definitely so be looking great, that up. Yeah, I so many great points be being made. This, episode. this is so great. <laughs> I'm sure you haven't heard that. You got the touch. No, it's no. extremely '80s. Just the most '80s thing you can imagine, and I really love it. Yeah, I don't know how to rate this film except by giving it uh, an eight because it was too long. Co-writing credits out of 10. That's what I'll give it. I was going to like, I came in wanting to give it like a 6.5. But Erica, since you like talked it up to me, I'm going to go 7.5 like smelly cigars out of 10. (laughs) Okay, I love that. I'm going to obviously I loved it. I gave it five out of five stars on Letterboxd. So I feel like I have to give it 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 poor Sarah's yeah. <laughs> for me. Poor Sarah. She needs that credit, baby. She stuck mm-hmm. around. That's I love right. her. We, we need more loyal, more She's stories loyal. about loyal women, you know? Yeah, we need more Sarah's. We That's need more right. Sarah's in our lives. The, yeah, the silent. Poor, and she doesn't want to be called poor Sarah anymore, <laughs> but 10 out of 10 okay. poor Sarah's. There you go. And here comes our theme song. Oh, oh wait, before we go, before we go, uh, Erica, where can we find you online? We can find me at Iraq Reviews on Twitter. That's where all my stuff is. I have a link tree in my profile, and you can see all my stuff, all my other podcasts I've been on, all the sites I write for. I write at In Their Own League, CRP Rates, and In Session Reviews Great. on Twitter. Thanks so awesome. much. And thank you, audience, for yeah. listening to Josh and Cassie Yell About Movies. Up. See you next week, <laughs> even though we don't time. know what we're watching. Uh, It'll be a surprise. Mortal Kombat? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I told you they'd yell about directors, yell about the plot. They yelled about the act and hope they let the guests talk, but mostly 